And we bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for you And I want to thank you and appreciate you That you are always raised connecting with us on our platforms We have several platforms that we have our radios We have the TV and we have also the podcast And we believe that even on our website and applications You are able to receive us Once again this is Pastor Dennis Matov Other from Freedom Experience Ministry I'm here to take you into our wonderful teaching series concerning what is eternal New Testament plan. He has a plan and we have been learning about this God to know why and why is this God doing his whatever it takes to dispense himself into us. We now know the kind of God that is dispensing himself into us now know his intention and purpose and even the plan but we still have to continue because we need to come to the full knowledge of this God we have been talking about God's attribute recently this is our episode 36 and we are talking about several attributes uh, then we are today uh, yes previously we talked about holiness and we talked about righteousness and we are going to continue a bit uh, talking about this righteousness then we shall proceed to other tributes I believe in the minutes we have today we talked about God's righteousness and something that was amazing was that God is bound to forgive us whether he likes it or not because Jesus Christ has paid it all he has paid all the demands of the law law is no longer uh, demanding anything from us because Jesus has paid it. And we also learned something that righteousness does not base on our works of the law, but it bases on what Christ has done. So we don't need to worry about our way like we have not failed, we are like we have not uh, managed to hand to do the law, to do the commandments. Now we are not righteous. We are righteous because of what Jesus has done. We are not righteous because of what we do. And when you come to such a realization of the the full knowledge of the truth, then you are liberated. The same applies to holiness. We say that we are not holy. We are we are not holy because of what we do, because we are sinless and perfect, but we are holy because we are distinct and we are different and we are one with God and the nature of God which is holy is in us so that makes us to be holy and when we put on uh, this nature outwardly then we are going to live a righteous life because inwardly we have the nature of God which is holiness so when you come to if you missed the last previous uh, episode you need to go back and uh, listen and you get to understand what holiness and righteousness is all about. I want to continue with uh, this righteousness. And uh, by saying that the manifestation of God's righteousness is mentioned twice, even in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 17, it says that the righteousness of God is revealed out of faith, faith. Then Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, uh, Verses 21. It says that that the righteousness of God has been manifested without the law. 
Glory to God. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested through faith of Jesus Christ. That is what Romans 3.22 mentions. But the righteousness of God has been manifested without the law, but by faith and through faith. Now, by forgiving us, God shows forth his righteousness when he forgives he makes a declaration to the whole universe that because he is righteous, he must forgive us for our sins. Because his son, Lord Jesus Christ, was put to death by, by him. He, he, he put him to death for us on the cross on our behalf. God is legally obligated to forgive us. You should not forget this. Whether he is happy to forgive whether he's happy with us or not, he must forgive us according to his righteousness. So, God knows that whatever a person points to a resurrected and ascended Christ as a receipt for sin, God must forgive that person. No matter what sin is he, he, he committed, when he points unto Christ, God must forgive. In this matter, the righteous God has no choice. We thank the Lord for this. Hallelujah. So, whenever whenever our conscience condemns us because of our failures, we need to remember to stand upon the foundation of God's righteousness. You may be fervent for the Lord today, but in the future you may fail. You may fail Him, and you may become very disappointed with yourself because you have failed Him. You have maybe sinned. Remember, Peter was so much desirous of not forsaking Jesus, but he ended up forsaking Jesus and even denying and even cursing, cursing that he has ever been with Jesus. So it was a great fail. It was a great fall, you understand. But you see, he was brought back. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you may be fervent for the Lord today. You are on fire. You are living a life that is, Lord, nothing can separate me. Nothing can fail me. Then in the future, you may fail. You may fail him. You may become very disappointed with yourself. Unable to believe that God could ever forgive you. There are those people that when you fall into that sin, you think that God will never forgive you. How come that you sinned at your level, at your level of ministry, at your level of eh, of anointing? How come? So some people are like that. They think because they have done something in God, they have served God, they have lived a powerful life in ministry. Once they fall short and sin, they think God can never forgive them. It is worse. And they condemn themselves. They can even uh, forsake ministry because they think God cannot forgive them because of such a, a, a sin they have committed. At such a time, you need to praise God, His righteousness. Lord is righteous. He will forgive you if you come to Him. Tell him that no matter how much you have, you 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 have you have experience. No matter how much you have failed, Christ is still at His right hand as the receipt for payment for all your debts. Glory to God. So you need to remind God. I thank you that Jesus Christ is still at your right hand side, seated there, and He is my receipt that. 
has paid even for this sin that I've just committed. I come before you that you may forgive me and wash me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 3. Hallelujah. I think this is good news to some of us and to most of us. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself urged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high glory to God. So, our experience may fluctuate. Our experiences may change. Today we are high. Tomorrow we are going to be low. But God remains righteous forever. It does not change. His righteousness is constant. I told you that grace and love may fluctuate. But his righteousness does not. Whenever we confess our sins, whenever we claim the blood of Jesus Christ and even appeal to God's righteousness, God has no choice except to forgive us. Our experience of Christ rests on the foundation of God's righteousness. The foundation is not our fervent or our victory. It is God's righteousness. In other words, for God to forgive us does not base on how much we do our fathers not how much victory we have attained in our day to day life but the foundation of God's righteousness is basing on his righteousness so this God's righteousness is the unshakable foundation of God's throne the throne of God is the unshakable foundation. And the Bible says in Psalms 80, 89 verse 14. Psalms 89 verses 14. Whereby the psalmist is mentioning in verse 14 is that justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Glory to God. So we see that here justice and judgment are the habitation of the throne of God. Whereas mercy and truth, they shall always go before the Lord. God has shown forth his righteousness by forgiving us of our sins. In this way, God has proved that he is righteous. Now such righteousness of God is our solid foundation. Hallelujah. So we have seen that both love and grace may change. But righteousness is solid and steadfast. God is free either to love us or not to love us. Remember I said, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. So he has a choice either to love someone or not. But when it comes to righteous, righteousness, God is bound to love. Praise the name Jesus much he hates Esau if Esau gets saved God must love is bound rather must be righteous and to Esau uh, to forgive him his sin I'm giving you an example so because Christ died to fulfill God's righteous requirements God has put himself into a position where he is legally bound to forgive Everyone who believes in Christ, God is bound by his own righteousness to forgive us. And therefore, the righteousness that is the foundation of God's throne is also the foundation 
of our salvation. You see, is the foundation of our salvation. The question would be, can the foundation of God's throne be shaken? If the foundation of God's throne cannot be shaken, it means that our righteousness cannot be shaken. If because the, the throne cannot be shaken. It means that the foundation of our salvation cannot be shaken. Praise the name Jesus. So likewise, the foundation of our salvation it cannot be shaken because the foundation of God's throne cannot be shaken. If we consider ourselves, we shall realize that we are not lovable or worthy of God's grace. We know ourselves. We know our infirmities. We simply do not deserve anything from God. But God is righteous. Thank God. He put Christ to death on our behalf. And he has recognized the death of Christ as the full payment of our debt. Therefore, we can boldly say to God, if you do not deal with me according to your righteousness, your throne will be shaken. See? The important issue is not whether or not I shall be saved or perish. It is whether or not you will allow the foundation of your throne to be shaken. God, I remind you of your righteousness. Christ has died for my sins and is now at your right hand as proof, as a receipt that you have received his payment for all my debts. Glory to God. So, you continue to say, according to your righteousness, you have no choice except forgive me. You are legally bound to forgive me of my sins. Oh, Father God, I appreciate your love and grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you continue to speak with such a, a, a righteous God. You tell him, but now I stand before you. In your righteousness. Because you are righteous, you must forgive me. Hallelujah. I don't know if you have ever prayed such a prayer to God in such a way, a bold way. It pleases him when we pray like this. He says, my son knows his rights. This is a prayer that knows God's righteousness and appeals to God according to his righteousness. Our God is righteous. And the gospel of Christ is the power of God because the righteousness of God is revealed in it faith to faith. Such divine righteousness is a strong attribute of God. Hallelujah. I've enjoyed the attribute of righteousness so much, so much I tell you. But let us continue with another attribute of God which is wisdom. Our God is wise. Hallelujah. Now, with the wisdom of God, we come to the book of uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 33. But I will read from verses uh, 32. Bible says that, For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Then Paul comes to verse 33 and he does it a doxology, a doxology, we call it a doxology. All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of knowledge of God, how unsearchable 
are his judgments and his ways past finding out or who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor hallelujah or who has first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again or of him and through him and unto him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever amen now this was Paul making his conclusion in this chapter talking about the depth of the wisdom of God he say, speaks of God's wisdom and says oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of, the, of God how inscrutable are his judgments and untraceable his paths so we see that at the very end of the book of Romans Paul says that the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever and ever that's what he ends with in the book of Romans chapter 16 verse 27 he says to the only wise God only God is wise so he says the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we come to this attribute called wisdom. Wisdom is different from cleverness. Wisdom is deeper than cleverness. It is possible to be clever without being wise. For example, a criminal may be very clever. But he is altogether lacking in wisdom. He might be clever in his dealings and his ways. But he is lacking in wisdom. That's why he is stealing. He is a criminal. God is very wise and the universe reveals his wisdom. When you look unto the universe, whatever you see portrays the wisdom of God. To prove to us that God is wise. God is wisdom. It is important to see the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Because some of us might think that knowledge is the same as wisdom. But you need to know that wisdom is both higher and deeper than knowledge. Wisdom is seen in the initiation of something. When something is implemented, put into action, something is begun, something is created... That is wisdom. That work is displaying the wisdom of the one that is making the initiation. For example, the, the, the formulation of, of a new invention. If someone inve invents something new, that is going to portray his wisdom. So, when something new has been invented and uh, Knowledge is seen in the practical application. That means that wisdom is the application of knowledge. If you have knowledge, you must know how to apply it. And when you apply wisdom, knowledge, that is wisdom. If you have only knowledge and lack wisdom, you will not be able to initiate anything or invent anything. You know how to do it, but lack wisdom. You know what to do, but you lack wisdom of how to do it. God is the unique initiator. He has initiated many things. He has started many things. Not by his knowledge, 
but by his wisdom. You see the book of Proverbs is a full chapter about wisdom and now God used his wisdom to create even the foundations of the world and the earth. Praise the name of Jesus. So if you have only knowledge and you lack wisdom, I've told you you will not be able to initiate anything. But we thank that God has his wisdom. I will not say that he has wisdom. His attribute is wisdom. He has initiated many things. That's why the Bible says, He who began a good work in you shall accomplish it. Because he's wise. He knows. He starts and knows how to end. He's going to. He is wise enough to take you out of that life, that challenge, that trouble, that low life. Because he knows where he brought you from. And he knows where he's taking you. Hallelujah. So, we see that he has initiated many things. Not by his knowledge, but by his wisdom. And he comes in to apply what he has initiated. And he is displaying his knowledge. That is an all-knowing God. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Let us read the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verses 10. Ephesians 3 speaks of the mouthfarious wisdom of God being made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens through the church. Now here the Greek word uh, translated mouthfarious indicates that God or this wisdom has many sides. It has many aspects and directions. It comes from many directions. That's what the word mouthfarious means. It has got many sides, many faces. Praise Jesus. Only through problems can all the aspects of God's wisdom be manifested. You see, without problems, we cannot see the wisdom of God. That's why Satan is needed in God's equation. Because he is supposed to cause problems for God so that God displays, displays his wisdom. You understand? This means that in a sense, God needs problems. God needs troubles. even needs an adversary, Satan. Because without Satan, God's wisdom cannot be fully manifested. Hallelujah. Satan has created many opportunities for God's wisdom to be manifested in a mouthfarious way. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficulties and we wonder, how are we going to come out of this situation? But all of a sudden you find yourself that you are already saved from that situation. God has displayed his wisdom. You didn't know to come about to come out of that situation, but in one way or the other, God has helped you out. So the rebellion of Satan is within the realm of troubles for God's wisdom. We call them troubles for God's wisdom. Hallelujah. Troubles that will make God to display his wisdom. <coughs> Hallelujah. Sorry. Uh, we are talking about this wisdom of God. But it needs troubles. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So, We are talking about the wisdom and we see that troubles are necessary for God. 
If it were not for Satan's rebellion, God's wisdom would not be made known in a full way. So, if you are a person full of wisdom, then the more troubles, the more difficulties you have, the more wisdom you will express. That means that wise people, they are wise because they are surrounded with hard matters to solve. And when they solve hard matters, they become wise. (laughs) They express their wisdom. If everything related to you is peaceful, without problems, you will have no opportunity to express your wisdom. Hallelujah. So you need problems in order to display your wisdom. <laughs> Likewise, God needs problems in order to display his wisdom. Whatever the enemy of God does gives God the opportunity to show forth his wisdom. So you should rest assured that God will not fail. He will not fail. Praise the name of Jesus. He will not fail. So, Another aspect of God's wisdom is revealed in 1 Corinthians 1.30 where we are told that of God we are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom to us from God both righteousness and sanctification and redemption. For Christ to be our our righteousness, sanctification and redemption, it requires much wisdom on God's part. Many aspects of God's wisdom are manifested He's making Christ our righteousness, making him our sanctification and redemption. Hallelujah. Our experience of Christ in these matters is according to God's manifold wisdom. Furthermore, we see that in, in his wisdom, God is able to make us the church. Sometimes God may say, look, Satan, I have taken every people whom you have ruined and I've made them to become the church. I've made them into the church. Do you have the wisdom to do such a thing? You do not have the wisdom, but I have it. In other words, it is wisdom for we who are one-time sinners now to be called the church of God. It displays the wisdom of God. So in the sight of God, the most marvelous thing in the universe is the church. Through it, his mouthfarious wisdom is made known to Satan and his angels. There is coming when Satan and his angels will be put to shame. Glory to God. They will realize that everything they have done has given God the opportunity to manifest his wisdom. And in the same principle, our failures today, our mistakes today, our defeats today, our wrongdoings today have also given God an opportunity to display his wisdom. Yeah, God is chosen people and even though our failures, um, even through our failures, he manifests his mouth failures wisdom. Such a wisdom is as strong as one of his attributes. Glory to God. So in the remaining two minutes, I want to talk about uh, the prudence of God before we end this episode. God is prudent. He's not only wise, but he's prudent. Ephesians 1.8 indicates that there is a difference between wisdom and prudence. The verse Paul speaks of the riches of God's grace. Says, he says that 
which he caused to bound to us in all wisdom and prudence. Wisdom is what is within God to plan and to purpose a will concerning us. But prudence is the application of God's wisdom. When he applies his wisdom, he is prudent. First, God planned and he purposed in his wisdom everything and he purposed even what the church is going to be and every detail of it. Then he applied what he had planned and purposed for us with prudence. So wisdom was mainly for God's plan in eternity but prudence is mainly for God's execution of his plan in time. So what God planned in eternity in his wisdom he is now executing in time today in his prudence. Glory to God. So we may say that prudence is a stay away. Connecting cleverness which is on a lower level to wisdom which is on a higher level. Hallelujah. So in order to go up to wisdom from cleverness we need prudence. So if a certain person chooses not to remain in his cleverness but to advance to wisdom he must ascend up the stairway of prudence. Prudence becomes your stairway. We may also say that prudence is a proper cleverness. Those who are prudent will not they will not do things in a foolish way because they are prudent. This kind of prudence is also a divine attribute of God's move. Glory to God. And I will say hallelujah for this wonderful uh, episode today. We have talked about the wisdom of God and even the prudence of God. And I want to stop here because our time is up. I'm Pastor Dennis Matov, all the way from Freedom Experience Ministry. Get our application, Freedom Experience app. Enjoy more of our teachings. Lord bless you. Bye-bye.